Welcome to another episode of the Unredacted Podcast. I am Prerna Dadu and I am joined by my very good friend Ramya Dronam Raju. And today we have two very exciting guests to talk about whether rape jokes are funny. Our first guest today is Dr. Ummi Khan. She is a professor at Carleton University. Her research focuses on the socio-legal construction of deviant sexuality. Our second guest today is Dr. Rebelina Datta. She is a professor at OP Jindal Global University and her research is located at the intersections of jurisprudence, post-colonial theory, law, humanities, sexuality studies, social legal studies, and feminist ethics. Welcome both of you. We're very excited to have you here and let's get started. Our first point of conversation is going to be talking about the scene from Three Idiots, where Chatur Ramalingam's speech, uh, where every word uh, is replaced with balatkar, and the audience is seen as roaring with laughter. So I think our first question to you is whether you found this scene funny. Yeah, I actually didn't find it funny, uh, but but that's just because I thought it was very foolish in the sense not not foolish as in foolish foolish but not something that invoked humor in you know in some it didn't touch a funny bone if i can say that but but that's not because of the word balatka but it's just that 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 scene i found it a bit slapstick so if that's a genre of fun or humor that doesn't quite appeal to me but it's just because of that Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- it was in, I guess, some. But it's wrong to say that it wasn't funny at all. But I think the fact that he was using the most inappropriate word, a word that would not get him anywhere by using it in a speech, and that you know, just that that guy was being uh, made fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, all his seriousness towards you know education and studying and becoming an engineer in the way that he wanted to do. So that kind of view of uh, education or the uh, system of education I thought that bit I thought was quite interesting not so much funny funny because he was using the word balatkar to mm-hmm. in, a, in a speech mm-hmm. so that comment on on what he represented I think that um, was funny but not humorous you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah um, I, I somebody who would probably laugh at a joke that comes across to me as witty. Mm-hmm. So, so in that sense, it wasn't uh, funny, but it was silly. Definitely, it was silly. Bollywood in general has this tendency to fall on slapstick humor, um, and this is sort of low-hanging fruit because everybody tends to laugh on sex jokes. It's just, it's sort of, uh, it comes very naturally to laugh at these or snigger at these things. Because in the cultural context, you're not really allowed to talk about it openly. And um, I guess that's why it just becomes easier to talk about this in a comedic sense. Um, so yeah, in, in that sense, what do you think um, the role of films can be in creating or perpetuating a culture um, of talking about sexual assault or talking about this um, in a normal setting or amongst a lot of people? 
Debeline, when you were talking, it made me think that in some ways the joke um, punches up and punches down. So it punches up in the sense that he becomes the butt of the joke because he's done this really terrible mm -hmm. faux pas. And so we're laughing at this, this fool who may, like who does this thing. And, but then it's also punching down because in the sense that, or you could argue that it is because it's making light of something that's really terrible. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder if it works in, in both of those ways. Well, yes. But I, I wonder also, cause I was thinking about um, why, me, why men might laugh at rape jokes um, and thinking about the fear of the, the fear that many men say that they'll be falsely accused. And then the fear that some men admit that they have violated consent, um, but didn't realize it until afterwards. So, I, and that I wonder if those fears, like putting aside people who've, you know, consciously sexually assaulted someone, people who either are afraid they're gonna be accused of it, but haven't, or afraid that they did it and didn't think about it at the time, but now understand consent in a different way. I wonder if the burden of those fears are somehow released by jokes like that. This is an extremely Freudian um, way of thinking about jokes as catharsis, um, but I'm just wondering about that in, in that particular joke. And then in just the broader question of whether, um, films that engage with rape in a light way are on some level helping men, like men who find it funny dealing with those two fears. I feel like it can be catharsis and, and there is value to that. Like I understand the point you're trying to say, like humor helps engage with things you have done and, and are struggling to process. However, especially in Bollywood movies and the type of humor that we have seen in such movies like for example is this movie called Grand Masti and like one of the jokes if I can just read out is like Bhalatkar se yaad aya, meri bivi kaha. that's a throwaway joke in that movie um, and and the, the way that entire movie is is also very like crass humor and way we analyze Bollywood films and we analyze these particular scenes or these dialogues in in to call these to call these kind of um, um, you know these moments in Bollywood films uh, sexist or even kind of perpetuating a certain kind of rape culture all of that is true but the thing with thinking about rape culture as your all-encompassing backdrop is that pretty much anything sexual can be subsumed under that right and uh, and there really will be no space left for anything else and that's something that worries me a little bit so i don't have the answer i'm not saying that i this is not the way to do it or this is the way to do it but i do think that that kind of structuralist mode of argumentation or thinking about things right or um, attaching meaning to something um, may not be such a uh, productive way to go about it. And this is, I'm kind of saying this particularly in the context of, because you mentioned Kabir Singh, and all, I don't know only if you've watched that film or if, even if you've heard of all of the controversy that went around it. So anyway, you could say that this is, uh, well, I would think of this guy as a sadistic guy, but he was also kind of this man who was, uh, who was being termed uh, by feminists and others and all kinds of people as this misogynist, right? And the kind of uh, what was being shown as love, very possessive love, wasn't really love, was violence, so on and so forth, right? I'm not entirely 
purity, that's the kind of characterization that I'd want to go with. And this is why, you know, uh, which is that, um, is, can, can something like that also be erotic? And while also being violent, maybe in some ways, can the two coexist? I think that's what I'm trying to say, that yes, it could be abuse and abusive, let's say, not abuse in that strict sense of abuse as in, you know, beating somebody up for uh, um, uh, being really physically violent. Mm -hmm. But does that also have an element of eroticism in it? I don't know what uh, only you would have to say, but I think that I, I would like to leave some space there to be able to have that conversation or even think of it in other ways, because otherwise, um, we are handing over sex to the misogynist, you know, and, and to give it meaning and to um, characterize it in a certain way, kind of just giving it over to them. And that's something I'm not, as a woman, as, as a feminist, that's, that's the space that I'd like to keep for myself to be able to define and give new meaning to it. Possibly. Imagine and give it some meaning, you know, even if it doesn't quite match with the real at times. I don't know. Well, I definitely think that we can read such films although I haven't seen it but I can't wait to watch it um, through an erotic lens I've been this is one of the things I've been trying to figure out which is that I prefer my my romance slash eroticism to be in regular movies so not not pornography um, it's not my my personal thing but I want there to be um what other people <laughs> label rape culture. Um, so I prefer uh, romantic films where there's there's a there's like struggle and like ambivalence and you know including physical struggle, including all the all of the behavior that if it happened in real life we would we would categorize it as abusive. Um, like I just find it more sexy and exciting. I get into the romance more. I mean, I cannot stand romances that are um, like friendship or consent. I mean, it's fine, I guess, if there are other things going on, but that, to me, that's not romantic. Um, it's not pleasurable, but I understand the criticism, which is that like maybe I can, see that through a fantasy lens and understand that there's a place for that in fantasy but that other people read it as socialization so I've been trying to think about like okay I'm I'm not I, is there a way to have both like to have it not be socialization but still have that form those kinds of narratives um and I was thinking about like people always talk about media literacy as like teach the viewer that this is sexist or this is rape culture but instead of that could it be like teach viewers that this is fantasy and it's not to be done at home yeah. that like people we enjoy murder mysteries we enjoy horror movies we enjoy all of these things but it's you shouldn't be doing any of that like in real life and so I'm wondering about that because for me I, I just think that the fantasy of violations um on multiple levels are what gives like what gives a story it's it's zing um like that that's what every screenwriter says right you need conflict in every scene and so and if it's a romance and you want that romantic conflict and like the biggest conflict is when your mind says no but your body says yes right like that's like my favorite kind of scenario um in that sense 
do you think it is so easy as to uh, divide the personal um, from the private sphere? Like, if we are allowing our romantic, uh, our um, romance to be a little violent and to um, be a, a, and sort of be okay with fetishizing it and allowing it to sort of be become fantasy. Um, but then, as you said, not preach it to be practiced at home. Do you think it is that easy to actually do it? Because then what forms rape culture? Like the idea is that we learn from what we see on screen. And so then how would you distinguish that from participating in rape culture to just romanticizing it or fetishizing it? Right. Yeah, exactly. I romanticize rape culture, but I don't want it in real life. Um, I, I guess I maybe disagree with the premise of, of your question that I don't know if I agree that we replicate what we see mm -hmm. um, in a kind of obvious way. So I, 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 I don't agree with a lot of media effects literature, for example, like when they do laboratory studies, um, they'll be like, oh, after they watch this scene, the person is more aggressive but all of those are short-term effects. They've never shown long-term effects. Like it's very, very hard. I mean, it doesn't mean it isn't true. It's hard to capture empirically. Um, but I do, I don't deny that there is a socialization process that happens through popular culture. Um, I just, I just think that if we had more um, acceptance of the chaos of, like fantasy and 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 our psyche um, that maybe we, like I, like I was thinking about this in like sex education like like right when that starts at whatever grade six that people could say like you might think all these things or you might have these fantasies or you might enjoy these particular things but it doesn't mean that you you're gonna want to do them and and you may and so okay can I just sort of non sequitur, but to bring it back to humor, I was thinking about the whole, like what makes you laugh is similar to me to what turns you on. And we don't like a genuine laugh is not subject to conscious control. Like, and, and I'm sure all of us have had this where we've laughed at the wrong moment and we really didn't want to, like we really thought that it was the worst time to laugh for whatever reason, it was the worst time to laugh, but we laughed anyway. And the same thing with arousal. And it's like, no, this is not something I should be aroused at. You're watching an offensive scene, let's say on a, on a film, but then you find yourself that you're getting aroused. Um, and it's like the worst kind of cognitive dissonance because it's a part of you that's like, you shouldn't do that. So I, I feel like we need more talk about that, like healthy sex ed talk about um, that, that kind of thing so that there isn't like the kind of, I don't know, guilt policing of, of it. But what about violence? So for example, the kind of depiction of violence that one sees in Bollywood cinema, the kind of blood, gore, uh, all kinds of things, right? The kind of, right? You wouldn't want to be depicted on screen because if that's the logic that everybody just watches and then starts mm -hmm. doing that, then, I mean, there couldn't be anything on screen, right? Anything that would be real because all of that is real actually in real life people are bad to other people people are unkind uh, they are violent but even then there is a kind of violence that does, people don't just watch and then go and replicate but this conversation wouldn't happen about violence right so my point is not to say now one should start talking about it that's not what i'm saying 
But what I'm saying is, why is this question uh, posed when it comes to the depiction of sex and romance or a certain kind of um, sexual expression, let's mm. say, right? We may ag agree, disagree. But the point is, if one disagrees, you discuss, you debate, right? Mm. But often the call is also to ban. I'm saying that that's the kind of argument that then we go on to and we want to ban actually and take, take off, push under the carpet and kind of sanitize the world around us, right? And kind of, um, but that kind of, uh, that, that way of thinking about things, I think is actually quite harmful, whether it is about violence or whether it is about sex. Well, my, I'm not equating the two again. I just want to kind of put that out. I'm not saying that you can actually think of those two things in, in the same way, but you do actually see the depiction of violence and sex in abundance, right? But I tend to think that it really has to do also with wanting to be politically correct with things. And that's something, again, I'm not very comfortable with. I'd rather have an open discussion about things that make us uncomfortable uh, and things that confuse us. We are not quite sure about what to think about something, how to think about it, rather than tell ourselves that, you know, just by not talking about something, we are actually addressing the problem, right? Because rape culture or sexual assault culture is a very real problem. It's an issue, right? And so nobody's denying that. But by actually kind of characterizing everything as abuse or violence and uh, kind of replicating this subordination domination theory that we tend to think, uh, think uh, gender through. That's a framework that one often thinks about gender, right? That one uses to think about gender and then kind of um, apply it to different situations, events um, to kind of interpret it. That kind of very easy interpretive gestures i'm not sure is is probably a very good way to to really go about it i i absolutely mm -hmm. agree um i also like why both devlina and Umi, both of you were talking a lot of things came to my mind like uh i'm a little active on twitter and even though twitter is the not the most constructive space i end up getting onto like twitter debates and one of the things fights i've gotten into is someone made an argument that you cannot listen to rap and be a feminist because rap is inherently very sexist, misogynistic music, except I love rap. And the, the argument is similar. Just because you appreciate or enjoy or consume content that may be violent, that may be sexist, that may objectify women, doesn't necessarily somehow your mind likes it, but doesn't mean your heart follows it, or it doesn't mean that you now are participating or perpetuating somehow violent, sexist, misogynistic culture. Um, I, I mean, the line is obviously not that black and white and clear, but um, that, that, that's something that came to my mind. Another example, like uh, um, this just conversation reminded me, we have is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. Mm -hmm. They are an organization in the United States who make an argument that, listen, we will not have sex with minors but we are men who like and fantasize and have a fetish for children and so you cannot kink shame us for that mm -hmm. a lot of women also say that they have rape fantasies and then they fantasize about you know um, them physically being like held captive and having someone like have sex with them so all of this is 
on on one side of the coin but on the other side of the coin like prena and i while researching for one of our episodes we learned that a, a man in who got arrested for stalking and harassment in one of his cases said the reason why he was doing so was because of shahrukh khan's role in this film dar where he was a stalker like shahrukh khan's character was one of a stalker and he was inspired by it right and also like there are a lot of interviews on youtube where you see people like just people going and asking men why do you think women get raped and they say things like oh how can she wear clothes like this and walk out and, or you know it's at this point after this time say 9 pm what is she doing on the road xyz so it's so I, i'm just trying to understand as to then like not to um infantilize if majority or a lot of indian culture is based off of uh, um lot of sexist prejudices yet at the same time we we understand that there are kinks people have which are represented in movies which we'd like to see how do we navigate that space and and how do we have this nuanced discussion in a way that isn't blurring the lines or perpetuating something we don't want to be perpetuating so i you know that i i have written like three papers just about music and how we need to think about music in a different way specifically about rap and how um i'm very very critical of the feminist criticism of rap like i um it's like a i yeah i so anyway uh because i think it 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 unwittingly supports anti-black racism basically yeah. and it and it reinforce you know re re um reinforces the image of sort of the the rapacious black man um Debelina's question around the sexual exceptionalism that we can see all kinds of violence but we we are we assume that sexual violence will be the thing that's that's the most harmful or socializing um and I was thinking about it made me think about how bring it to Foucault and to link it to your cancel culture question Foucault you know said that when we repress the idea that sexuality was repressed under Victorian times was is not a doesn't give you the full picture that in fact all of these methods of repressing sexuality produce their own discourses of sexuality and i think that's true for cancel culture that nothing is really being canceled it's just being there's a different way of of that those kinds of sexual that that sexual speech is now finding different channels through through the actual vehicle the supposed vehicle of repression is actually the channel that where like the the prohibited sex is being expressed we've been talking about um repression like right now and how it can be an unexplored um space for somebody interpreting certain things um what about people that are laughing at it uh from the other perspective like uh dave chapelle uh he's being interviewed he's a comedian he's being interviewed by oprah starts off by saying he feels he's no longer being socially responsible and how the way people use television is subjective. So then when I'm on the set and we're finally taping the sketch, somebody on the set that was white laughed in such a way, I know the difference of people laughing with me and people laughing at me. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten a laugh that I was uncomfortable with. Hmm. Not just uncomfortable, but like, should I fire this person? <laughs> uh, and at the same time i'm just not a naturally assertive person what was it about the laugh i know all these people who watch on tv that there's a 
a lot of people who will understand exactly what I'm doing. Then there's another group of people who are just fans. It's along for a different kind of celebrity worship rap. They're going to get something completely different. Completely different. Yeah. They're concerned. Yeah. Just wanted to discuss what happens when, even with the best of intentions, um, you explore an area that is usually quite dis- restricted um, in its political correctness um, atmosphere. Um, and then the laugh you sort of get also just completely changes the tone of the joke and the intention behind the joke. And yeah, so I guess, how would you respond to who is laughing at these jokes? At what point uh, when the intention, um, you know, you lose control over intention of behind the joke? So I, I make a joke intended for feminists, but misogynists laugh at it. Yeah, right? that kind of a yeah. situation. That is so, it's so, uh, so, you know, I've seen Dave Chappelle live and um, I think I love him. And he's, he also makes a lot of rape jokes, just putting it out there. Yeah. And then that I think are hilarious. Um, I mean, I, fe- I, I agree. And I feel like that's happened to me, um, like in terms of jokes, in terms of like provocations that people the people will misunderstand it and or get affirmation. Misogynists will get affirmation um, from something I'm not meaning to affirm them. <laughs> no, that's not my intention. Uh, or affirm their perspective. I mean, maybe I'll affirm them as humans, but I don't want to affirm their perspective on on what women. Um, but I don't, it's like my free speech thing. I just think it's better for it to be out there and then for us to be able to talk about it and you know, try to explain intention or whatever. I mean, I don't know, like Chappelle specifically had that experience. I'm not saying he should have kept kept doing it. Um, but for me, I think, like talking about, let's say, talking, t- saying, saying publicly, oh, I like depictions where, you know, a woman says no, but then he grabs her and he starts kissing her and then she ends up really getting into it. Um, like, I'd rather acknowledge that even though that means that some people are going to hear it and say like, oh yeah, that means women really want it in real life. Like I'd rather risk that um, than not be able to talk about what's what feels genuine to me and then try and nuance it myself. But does that make sense? Yeah. I don't want, I feel like not talking about it is, well, is going to cause more harm. The one thing this reminds me of is... Um, your piece on uh, sex talk at the workplace like the, the ability to be able to talk about sex which is somewhat taboo being spoken of in a workplace yet you have relationships you you flirt with people you can have great hookups with people in your office especially you spend so much time in your office it, it just I feel like placing that premium on certain topics does a lot more harm where you're you're uh, shutting away and tabooing things that shouldn't be which are experiences all of us share Um, you know with that kind of with that thing about okay i want uh, you know i share a joke and i want feminists to laugh at it but the misogynists laugh instead and i don't know what to do now i feel this moral burden of not having done the right thing and get going into this guilt trip etc there's also that assumption that somehow we can control uh, control the responses to our speech, right? Mm-hmm. That, okay, 
when I'm a performer, let's say, and there is this audience, how can I even assume that everybody who's going to be there and who's going to laugh will actually be going to laughing in the right kind of way, right? I have to kind of go there when I put it out there. I have to know that there's going to be people who I don't want probably to be coming to my performance at all, probably, mm -hmm. or laughing at it in this way, but they can laugh. So I think that we work with that knowledge, right? And we take responsibility. So taking responsibility, I think is knowing what you're doing and also knowing that you cannot control uh, speech in a way that you cannot always um, have the people respond to it the way that you want to, it to be responded to. So, for example, if I am making a joke about a rapist, whether, you know, the subject of joke or the, is, is the rapist and not the one who is raped or the rapable body, right? That can also be a rape joke. Rape joke is not only where it perpetuates rape culture, it can also actually disrupt a rape culture by making the rapist the part of the joke, let's say, right? Uh, and... And nobody finds it funny. They don't laugh, right? Are these people that are not laughing perpetuating rape culture because they are not laughing at my anti-rape joke, right? Yes, probably. I mean, if we are to think on those lines, yes. But it's also about, I guess, somewhere it's also your own appetite, your own sense of humor. What is it that you find funny? Like, for example, uh, that that uh, moment in um, The Three Idiots, right? Omni found it funny. I didn't. Right. Although we will find a lot of alignment when it comes to our politics, but we just don't we respond to it very differently. Mm. Right. Does that really mean that I am anti rape and she is uh, or they is, you know, uh, pro rape or I don't know. I mean, what is this? How are we to? <laughs> OK, my what I guess I was trying to say is we d devise these formulas for mm -hmm. making sense of things and then kind of just apply them to something, someone uh, sometimes it's people that we like, we give them some leeway, people that we don't like because of their skin color, because of their gender, because of X, Y, Z, and then it becomes another. I think that culture also is something that's quite quite a difficult one to live in. It's kind of personal experience that I wanted to share, which is that the, I have this friend who's extremely sexist, okay, but he's a very dear, dear friend. So at every party, he will come and he will say these things about um, and he's an academic and we know that academia is so full of sexism right yeah. like any other place but so he'll talk about his beautiful female students who are who don't need to be intelligent because they are so beautiful where are the boys I mean it's just never ending I well I really like him okay and that's an important thing to say <laughs> anyway so he'll make these jokes and I guess when he says them he expects me not to laugh so there was one time when he said that joke and I really laughed I laughed out loud because I was I was laughing at his stupidity in a sense, right? He's this this guy who studied so much, who's this uh, you know one who's likely to be seen as intellectual. Uh, if both of us are to go to an event together, he's going to be the one who's going to be taken more seriously intellectually, etc. Mm. And I thought, how foolish can you be? Can you don't you not know that this is not so? Anyway, I laughed out loud. Okay. To myself because I just really found him very funny to trying to anyway he got very offended and he came to me later on and saying that why did you laugh I had a feeling that you weren't laughing at my joke but you were laughing at me I said you're right for for once you actually got it you know <laughs> and I so I am not I'm the kind of audience that made him uncomfortable I actually laughed at his joke whereas a lot of other men didn't mm -hmm. because it wasn't funny really not funny as in 
not because they were very politically conscious men, but just because it wasn't the joke didn't contain any humorous element. I've been thinking about humor for the longest time, and I actually find it to be a very, very powerful tool for my, uh, not just for my work, just to be, right? Just, just for my own being, I find that a very comforting, powerful, forceful, like with a lot of positive force, right? Something that gives me a lot of joy and a positive uh, power let's say in some ways so but how does one actually think about it productively in a way that it's a more collective and shared uh, thing rather than for just for uh, individual gratification or just uh, kind of or just um, you know mm, something that's, that's just there but how is is fun or humor doing anything more for us as feminists i've collected stories where i've just asked uh, these sex workers who form part of these two collectives to share their experiences of humor what is it that makes them laugh and uh, you know and often things that make them laugh and i found these stories to be about um you know um, men who don't know how to have sex properly or men who want too much sex or you know those kinds of things anyway so there are all kinds of stories that that these women have told me that make them laugh uh, but i've not not been very sure about how to really put it out into the world in terms of just a collection of stories does it uh, you know does it, it does it form part of the feminist project in some way or is it anyway so so i've stayed with it for the longest time but i think now after thinking through humor especially for a feminist project that interested in uh, not just uh, calling out perpetrators but also not just uh, interested in punishing and penalties but in fact is interested in uh, collective formation in building community um, in 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 thinking about modes of association you know so humor let's say is a modus vivendi so it's a form of uh, means of association let's say uh, as to how can you actually live with the things that you dislike that you don't like because we have a training uh, through our education or just through our upbringing to respond to the things that we don't like. It's often with anger, it's often with dislike, it's often with distaste, hatred, etc. But I, I really do feel that we need to be trained in a certain kind of civility that tells us how to live with the things that we don't like and we are uncomfortable with and we hate and we are angry about, right? And I think humor provides that education and training. So in that sense, it performs a very important um, role let's say in in um in in coexistence and i do think and this is again a bigger so so bigger question about i think the thing with um you know global warming climate change i think it, we do talk about how humans have not known how to live with other species right we don't know how to live in the planet we don't know how to coexist we are greedy we just want it all for ourselves and, and the question, the challenge for our times also is really about that kind of cohabitation and coexistence and sharing resources, right? Uh, building a world that's shared. And I, I do find humor to be playing a very uh, important uh, part in that story. And, and it could probably help us um, or train us, let's say, in some ways to conduct, uh, conduct our lives or conduct ourselves in a way that equips us to relate to with be with live with the things that we are we don't want to live with and yet we have to 
probably, right? So, so I, I guess going back to the point about the joke, I think we're also talking about pay too much attention on the rape part of the rape joke uh, couple, right? Or the union. I mean, it's a juxtaposition of two words that are quite oppositional in some ways. So rape invokes violence, abuse, harm, um, whereas the joke uh, invokes laughter, fun, joy, a lot of other things. And it's the coming together that we really need to be talking about, but not just in the sense that, okay, does it perpetuate harm? Does it do that? But okay, what other things does it also help us do um, in terms of the place of the joke in it, right? What, what can the joke uh, help us do to the rape? in it probably, right? Mm -hmm. Does it only perpetuate or does it do other things to it? So I think, okay, that was again a very long, uh, the, the short, short of it, I guess, is to say that, well, let's not trivialize the joke and kind of only use it to qualify the rape, but let's also think about the joke as having its own place or some some role to play in things. That was, that was actually great and covers everything that we wanted to um yeah it's interesting to think about the joke part of the rape joke because in some ways it just occurs to me now that if we say rape jokes are off the table we're reinforcing the idea that rape is the worst thing that could ever happen to you like it does that fetishization of rape that i really that i really object to um, of course, it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you, or it could be an unpleasant experience that wasn't as bad as the whatever, failing an exam, getting into a car accident. There's a way that we, people think, often people present sexual assault or rape as the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And they think that they're taking it seriously by saying that. It's, it's presented that way. Like, I take rape so seriously. I know it's the worst and you'll never be the same again. So. I feel like I feel like that discourse is very harmful, um, and and it universalizes, you know what, can, you know what people can respond to it in in multiple ways. Um, so and so in some ways, I feel like it's really problematic to take rape jokes as off the table because it reinforces that idea. Um, easily, one could see one rape joke as being punching up and other people could see it as punching down, right? Um, so the three idiots, we could say, like I said before, is it punching up, punching down? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. so one of the things Ahmed says, she's not going to, I won't laugh at this. And um, and not to laugh at ones that pretend to be ironic. Like she's also, she also polices what she thinks are jokes where people say, no, 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 I'm just being ironic. or I'm just satirizing rape. And she's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to laugh at that either. So in her manifesto. And um I found that so interesting because I was like, but laughter is involuntary. Like, what does that mean you're not gonna laugh? Like, like, so, so part of, okay, this is a little off topic, but part of what I think is what I think is helpful is to the extent that we can, we should be authentic with our embodied responses and then think and investigate those embodied responses with sort of openness and kindness to ourselves. Um, instead of what, what I would feel if I took that, that, that principle of our manifesto seriously, 
lots of my laughter would be a, a moment of shame um, mm. and failure. I definitely think humor is is coping is is a coping method and a way for us to coexist and is one way to respond to unpleasantness. Anger is another way. Mm. Um, and and you know people might do different things at different times. I also think temperament is just part of it. Like, I think some of us just have a different kind of temperament and that humor is, is more our go-to when, when we're stressed, um, than when an anger will be where someone else goes to. Um, so, um, this is kind of off topic, but I do think it's interesting because when you talked about humor as a, as a mode of association, I definitely will genuinely and hysterically laugh more if I'm with like my partner or my sister and they're laughing, like it, it, there's something about them laughing. I mean, I guess that's why they used to have laugh tracks on, on sitcoms, but there's something about the laugh, the laughter yeah. of others. But for me, especially if it's someone I'm close to, if they're mm -hmm. laughing, I'll see, often I'll see the humor that I didn't see before in, in let's say the movie or what, or the situation. Um, so I find that interesting, the sort of contagiousness of laughter. Um, and, and, and it's bonding, I, I guess. Not just about kind of that narrow vision of, okay, rape is bad, therefore laughing at rape jokes, all rape jokes are bad, laughing at rape jokes are worse, because if you laugh, you're perpetuating something. That kind of equation, that kind of, I don't know, stacking up things in that yeah. neat line doesn't quite... Yeah, that, that context is important and that nothing is, nothing is inherently unfunny. Like or no, even the worst things possible are aren't inherently unfunny. Um, I think that context is is more important than than like topics being in or out. There's this thing about whether a man is writing, whether a woman is writing. There's again a lot of assumption also about gender there in terms of is if we had to think of gender as you know biologically determined, if it's a social construct, and then well. Then, then, because we teach those things, right? And yet, when it comes to uh, politics, somewhere identity politics does take up all of that nuance uh, for thinking about gender as well, right? And thinking about identities, and that's something I find quite quite interesting. It's it's so interesting because the rape joke controversy does assume men are making the joke and women are the are 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 the ones being. A, harmed or offended um but one standard form of rape joke are prison joke prison rape jokes um where men are the ones being raped in the, in these jokes and so that mm. kind of it it kind of i think supports your point that there is a com there's a comfort to only responding to rape with outrage and condemnation and anger and new laws or whatever that there's definitely that's comfortable and it goes into the the important part of our construction of ourself it's it's part of our performance too it, yeah. it can still be authentic but but it's also part of how we establish our identity and our relationship to other people um but but the part where i'm like well actually the people often policing rape jokes are people who aren't compassionate to survivors, they are self-identified survivors who are taking on the authority to, to tell mm. everyone else um, who either isn't a survivor or who isn't out as one that that's not funny and you're not allowed to laugh. 
Uh, yeah, I just want to throw the question out there for the sake of it, which is, uh, are rape jokes funny? Sometimes, <laughs> to me, they are funny. I, yeah, I think sometimes they are funny for for me. But it's, I think that asking if rape jokes are funny or if a particular rape joke is funny is kind of like asking, like, do you like mushrooms? It's like, some people will like it and some people won't. Like, I do think that, and it's not, um, I guess this is my point is that it's not open to morality because if we think that, if we think that laughter, if we understand laughter to be involuntary, the way that our, our love of mushrooms or our hatred of mushrooms is involuntary, then it's not, um, it's not like you can morally force yourself to love or hate mushrooms. Um, and so more my question would be if like, instead of judging us for finding it funny or not finding it funny, like, oh, you don't get it. It's actually so funny. Like people can be policed for not finding something funny too. Um, it might be more interesting um, for us to think about like, what, what, do, what do we think is happening there? Like when we laugh, like, are we, is it release? Is it, um, is it feeling superior? Is it, um, is it the awkwardness of it? Is it feel, is it vindication because we feel like we're actually laughing at the rapist? Mm -hmm. um, and, but also knowing that I think it, there is an element of mystery to our, our responses um, that, we can try and rationalize, but that I, I do think that because it's embodied, laughter is embodied, that there, there will always be mystery to what, what is triggering that. Mm, yes, it, uh, okay. Well, okay, let me try. This is a difficult one. So yes, so is, it's like, um, can I find pleasure in being beaten up? Yes, uh, at all times, probably no. Um, if it's uh, really uh, too painful, no. If it's a little bit of pain, probably yes. So what I'm trying to, the point that I'm trying to make here, I think is that uh, yes, maybe at times and probably no at times if I really don't think that it is funny and it doesn't. So I don't think I can have an easy answer. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to say. It could, I, it, I could find it funny, but whether I think it's, it's uh, uh, morally incorrect for rape jokes to exist in this world, I think they could exist and they better well be because I think if there is rape and there's a rape culture, there is a need to address it in, a, um, in, in productive ways where we can actually uh, make these structural shifts. I think it's important to talk about them. And I don't think whenever we are, it's okay to assume that whenever we are talking about rape jokes that it's, it's always a perpetrator or it's a, you know, somebody who's likely to go and rape is, is uh, you know, sharing that joke with other people who, and, and that it's always going to harm. There are people who are considered to be rapeable or the so-called victims of rape can also make rape, rape jokes. It's just like there can be a rape fantasy that women can be, um, you know, uh, experiencing or, uh, so, so I think it's, it's a very, it's a complicated, it's a complicated world and it's, it's a complicated thing to be thought of in that world that we exist. And I think it's important to have conversations such as these and to really 
um, think of our own prejudices and assumptions as well that we bring to some things where we know that we know the answer to, but probably we don't. And a lot are assumed and therefore a lot um, are not addressed and questioned like some of the conversations we had about identity politics, what are the assumptions that are going on to, to, to formulate a response? And I'm afraid I don't have a very well-formulated response, actually. Jokes are kind of the terminus of feminist politics. In some ways, it's kind of the limit at which you, you know, your, your politics need to be tested and questioned and rethought and revisited um, and debated and discussed. So it's kind of that, that point where a lot of things come to crisis. Right. It's not just so it's it's about so maybe it's one place to also rethink our own politics and political responses to things as well. So rape jokes are not so much only about well whether they perpetuate rape culture or not, but what kind of feminism can come come can come out of um, thinking about this uh, productively, uh, constructively, also conceptually. I think right. Um, intellectually, um, so I think I think that that does have things to offer to us if we are to if we know how to take them, and if we can make use of that opportunity. Uh, but does that mean that there actually can be sexist, misogynist men who will keep making rape jokes and keep laughing at it? And uh, yes, there will be those kind of things happening as well, and I can't control that. Um, I'd love that to not happen, but I don't think I have the ability to do that. So the ability that I have is to actually probably have these conversations. And that's something that, that that's the role and that I'd like to play at the responsibility probably that I'd like to take as, as whatever I do. So I don't know if it's making sense. It's a very roundabout way of answering your question, but you actually have a, uh... There was this uh, panel uh, that was uh, held in India with three female comics and a male comic that was interviewing them. And at the end of that conversation, uh, a journalist from the audience actually stood up and said that uh, rape jokes aren't funny and that they should stop making it. And one of the comedians turned out to be um, a, who is a specialized uh, a therapist in rape um, and sexual assault and she said that I'm probably the most qualified to make a rape joke um, and that what she does with her rape jokes is to take the victim to the pre-trauma stage and begin the process of dealing with the act and dealing with her trauma and another comedian's response was I don't find rape jokes funny but the joke is just that that a joke is a joke and should be allowed to exist and if you don't find it funny, then you just don't find it funny. And you have a right to say that. But the comic also has a right to make that joke. There is another, another slip. There's a slippery slope there, which is when we say these things, um, there's always going to be some, some, somebody who's going to interpret that as, you know, very liberal, free speech thinking, right? Um, which is not not political at all because it's not uh, anyway so and I think that's that's also another problem that we're dealing with because that that like to me that argument also so sounded a bit like that and then I thought well to some I'm going to sound like that mm. um, so so because 
that's also something to to think about as to whether we really um and this i'm just playing the devil's advocate here which is that and i'm i don't know the answer to that question is it, it is it sometimes um i although i do think that there is an it's it's important to have a conversation about that and as long as people are responding to something and there is debate and there is conversation that's the most healthy thing to happen right mm-hmm. uh instead of some people standing up and saying that this show must be cancelled because mm-hmm. this this conversation is happening here okay. that's not something that i i i would go with i don't agree with it at all mm-hmm. so that debate is fine but then again it's true that there is also that argument about free speech and and but it it's true that not everybody can actually speak right free speech is not available to everyone and there are structural questions to be addressed there as to who can actually stand up and speak and make make that joke and who cannot right mm-hmm. um and who is likely to be appreciated for a joke and who's and sell more tickets and who's not when we have an opinion on something if kind of concluded that okay this is good or this is bad we take it a step further to demand something from other people from the state from institutions from communities and that's also where the ask is something to be also thought about but just to stand up and say well i don't agree with it and i i think you should stop i think is not the kind of censorship uh, that is the same as saying that okay this must be cancelled this person must never speak about this in public um and so on and so forth so yeah saying someone saying rape jokes are like rape jokes aren't funny you should not make that joke i honestly think that that prohibition makes rape jokes even funnier um like so that when the more people say you can't make rape jokes the more of a violation it is when rape becomes part of a joke um and so ironically i think even if you wanted rape jokes to be kind of disappear into the whatever um to vanish i if that was my agenda i would not be on a campaign to say that they're not funny because i think that it creates more of a taboo around it and at least part of some rape jokes that the joke is is the violation of that taboo thank you so much like it's been a long conversation very hard to stop but yes we must this <laughs> so hard i <laughs> yeah i just want to be together in real life first time speaking to both of you and i'm so glad i got to be a part of this uh, thanks to prena for introducing me to like all of this uh, are you say- saying bye now anyway <laughs> yeah. right Yeah. <laughs> thank you i mean everyone thank you very very much thank you thank you so much thank um, you thank you okay have a great day um see you oh yeah have a good night <laughs> stepping on a banana um what is it called peel banana banana peel, peel. <laughs> 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 sorry <laughs> Yeah, I'm losing my wits. Anyway. <laughs>